Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and it's a pleasure to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the architect for uh, Cardinal World Series champion in 2006 and a franchise that went to the NLCS five of seven years, Walt Jockety, now an executive with the Reds with us on 101 ESPN. Walt, great to have you with us. How are you? I'm great, Randy. It's great to hear your voice again. It's great to hear yours as well. It has been too long. Uh, Thanks for taking the time with us. And we're looking forward to the the documentary coming up on June 14th, the McGuire-Sosa documentary. Uh, Were you interviewed for it, and how much are you looking forward to it? Yes, I was interviewed. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. It should be uh, uh, I'm anxious to see how it came out because uh, I interviewed did an interview for it, uh, boy, it's well over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and uh, I'll probably end up on the cutting room floor, but that's, <laughs> or at least I, I had a hand in it. But it, uh, from what it sounded like, the, um, when, when I was interviewed, the guy, the producer, had already interviewed like 35 people, and he still had several more he was going to uh, get to. So it should be interesting. I hope they, they treat it right, and I'm sure they will, and, and ESPN usually does a great job of things. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it brings back a lot of great memories. I mean, that was a fun time in baseball, a great time in St. Louis, and had a lot of people excited all, all across the country. I want to go back to July of 97, and I told the story earlier on the day, in the day, Walt, when I was doing the post game at KMOX, and I expressed real doubts about whether the Cardinals, in fact, I might have said there's no way the Cardinals can pull this off. And you were downstairs and we were talking outside that studio and you said, I wouldn't be so quick to write off our chances of getting McGuire. What were the, what were, I was on a roller coaster ride. What, what did you know at the time? And was it a fait accompli by then? Well, it was, uh, I'll tell you, I don't know why I analyzed the, uh, the, the market for, for Mark at the time. There was only one other club that I was concerned about um, because most clubs had first basemen. They weren't going to go after him, at least people that were, were had a chance of uh, acquiring him. Uh, the one club I was concerned about was the Angels. And as it turns out later, Bill Pavese worked for me in Cincinnati, and he told me they, they thought they had him. And because that was, you know, the team that I knew that they were pursuing him, and it was uh, Mark's hometown, but in the end, we were able to make the deal with uh, Sandy Alderson and, and uh, my former boss at Oakland, and and we got the deal worked out. It was 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 not easy though. It took it took quite a while to get it done. But uh, I'll I'll Jerry Walker and I were in Philadelphia at the time around the trade deadline, and we finally pulled the deal off. And and uh, and then again, the, the the other great part of it was, uh, and I knew that by getting him. Uh, I thought we could convince him to stay in St. Louis and sign a long-term deal, which he finally did because 
Number one, his relationship with Tony and Dunk and Dave McKay and Barry Weinberg and uh, myself. Uh, we just felt that in, he, in, I knew that when he got to Cincinnati, he loves baseball, he loves the game. When he got to, or, I'm sorry, to St. Louis, when he got to St. Louis, he would see what the fan base was like, the enthusiasm and so forth, and, and he absolutely fell in love with the, with the Cardinal organization, the Cardinal fans, and, and it was a, really an easy deal. We got the uh, deal done before the season was even over. Wow. Well, you talk about Mark's relationship with Tony. To get that deal done in 97, Mark had to waive that no-trade provision to come to St. Louis. When you had those conversations with him, how much did you lean on his relationship with Tony LaRussa to convince him to do that? Well, that was that was a big part of it, obviously, because Tony was uh, like his second father. I mean, they, they had a very close relationship and, and it grew even closer um, in the years in St. Louis. And, and I think that, uh, uh, in fact, I, I still see Tony talking quite a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm living in Arizona now, and Tony's been out here for a while, and you know, I see him during spring training and so forth. And we, we talk about some of those things. and It's just, uh, you know, it was it was a thing that, I just felt that, and you know, I obviously knew Mark when he first came up in Oakland and, and uh, when he was in the minor leagues, we first drafted him and so forth. So I had a pretty good uh, idea of what, what he liked and what was important to him. And I, I just knew uh, the relationship with Tony and uh, having a trainer like Barry, who had always worked on him, taking care of him. And, you know, just like I said, I knew that he would love St. Louis uh, like we all did because it's, it's, you know, one of the greatest baseball town if not the greatest baseball town in the country well do you think that that mentality still applies today because when we talk about players like nolan arenado potentially being on the move part of the argument that fans in st louis make is here's a guy who loves baseball and wants to be part of a winning franchise if he comes to st louis he's going to fall in love with it but i don't know if the the construct of baseball with with finances and things like that if something like the history and or fan base carries as much weight so what do you think about that well I, Michelle, I, I still think players, uh, especially a guy like Arenado, who's got his contract, he's got his money, and I think that what he wants to do now is win. And as most players uh, want to do, you know, after they, the first thing to do is, uh, you know, obviously everyone wants to win, but once you get uh, uh, financial security and uh, you want to get into a situation where you know you've got a chance to win every year, and I think St. Louis has done certainly just demonstrated that for the last 20 years or so, and and. It's uh, you know it's an area that I think that you know, once guys get there they just realize fans are great the organization takes care of them and and it's a uh, it's a fun place to work and play as a uh, in, in baseball so I do I do think that they still would have interest in, in doing that or should former Cardinal GM Walt Jockety with us on 101 ESPN the documentary Long Gone Summer coming up on June 14th and. Walt, we, we were down in spring training. You experienced that entire offseason, and it was amazing how we all just, at least from a media perspective, we were expecting McGuire to hit 62 or more home runs in 1998. Being around him, what was it like to have him know that those expectations were there? Well, <laughs> he was uh, obviously was excited about it, but he was also, now there was a lot of pressure on a lot of media pressure, especially towards the end, and uh he was, uh, you know, it was it was taking a toll on him after a while, and he he needed his space, and and we we granted him that. He was, you know, he was good about signing stuff and taking care of people, but you know, it was just a 
uh, time that I think it was so important to him to get to that level and get to that point to break the record that, uh, um, you know, he's such a competitor that he wanted to make sure he, he got to that and actually went beyond it. But it was uh, it was a fun time. I'll never forget. Uh, uh, in fact, Tony and I were talking about the other day that Tony was getting ready to do this. And we're talking about the, the uh, documentary next week. That You know, it's the night after after they finalized, we, we went to dinner with he and his family went to the uh, old Warson Country Club for dinner, and it was Tony and I and, and uh, 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 David Pratt and, and uh, Mark's family. And it was just a, it was such a unique time. I still have a picture of the group, and uh, you know, just the celebration of it. And it was such you could see how Mark had completely relaxed and, and just was so happy. And but he was exhausted, you know, and he still had a ways to go in the season, but. Uh, he, he was uh, he, he was obviously pretty excited about it. Well, I think one of the cool things about Mark is that you mentioned earlier his motivations. He wasn't motivated by getting every last dollar. He proved that twice when he signed in 1997 and then when he left money on the table to retire after the 2001 season. But when he took that first contract, how much did that benefit you in negotiating with other players where Mark McGuire took less than he could have gotten on the open market to stay in St. Louis? Well, I, I think it helped us tremendously. And, and I believe that, uh, and you're right, Mark left a lot of money on the table, first of all with the contract, but also when he just decided that he couldn't you know, compete to the level he wanted to anymore and, and decided to retire and left millions on the table and and i think that he uh you know i think it helped us with a number of other guys i think that you know what i'll tell you but I, I still believe that uh certain guys took less money to stay in st louis because they again they had a chance to win it was still they're still being paid a lot of money and uh i think that they they just wanted to be a part of the what was going on there so it was it was in and mark taking that uh I guess you want to call it a hometown discount. I don't know if it was or not, but it's, you know, they take less money because they, that's where they, they want to be. They, they want to stay in a situation. You know, it's a lot of money. And, you know, to be in a place where you're you're happy and, and content and have a chance to win is more important sometimes than a few extra dollars. Well, one more thing about Mark, and I know Michelle has a question about now, but I, mm-hmm. I tell people that even with what we know, with the performance enhancers, that night that he hit 62, and specifically when he hit 62, I've been in a lot of sporting events, and that's the coolest moment that I've ever witnessed with the the streamers, and then after the game, the fireworks and the Corvette. I can still see that in my mind's eye right now, 22 years mm-hmm. later. What about from your perspective, a longtime baseball executive? Where does that particular night, when he hit 62, where does that rank for you? That's uh, it's, it's right up there. It's got to be one of the top five because, uh, you know, obviously winning the pennant and winning the World Series and the parade in St. Louis, those things were all pretty exciting. But this was this was an accomplishment by an individual that we brought to St. St. Louis that uh, was, was history-making. And I still... In fact, I saw a clip the other day as they were preparing for this uh, documentary on ESPN of Joe Buck's call, and it was just, you know, it just gives you chills thinking about it. And, and uh, it was just, you know, it was one of those things that it happened so quick, too, that <laughs> when, the, when he hit the ball and boom, it's out of the park. And 
by watching him run around the bases and and being greeted by the Cubs players and stuff, and then that home play with his son, which is is a magical moment. It's like uh, it, it's almost as as good as one of the World Series. Walt reliving that home run chase is certainly exciting, but it's also a stark reminder that we don't have baseball right now. It makes you ache for baseball in a lot of ways. And as you can imagine here in St. Louis, we are desperate for baseball to return. And it's so disheartening and frustrating to see these negotiations playing out in a contentious way because we just want everyone to come to an agreement and baseball to resume at some point. So just a confidence check from you. Where do you sit on this? Do you think we will have a baseball season in 2020? Yes, I definitely do. And I've been... More encouraged uh, the last few days. I think um, I, I just I think I, I, my prediction is we'll be playing sometime in July, and I, I hope I'm right because uh, we definitely need it. We all need it, and the country needs it. And uh, I just I think that uh, we just can't go a season without playing baseball. I mean, it, it's it's never been done in the history of the game. Uh, there was a year uh, during, I think, World War One or whatever it was, that they stopped a month early. But we, we have to have some sort of baseball, not only for the country, but also for the game, for the industry. It needs to uh, continue to uh, survive and thrive. And I think that uh, eventually they'll get this thing worked out. And I'm very confident they will. I think both sides will realize the importance of it. And uh, we'll, get it, we'll get it done hopefully in the next few weeks. Finally, Walt Jockety, before we let you go, I want to I want to tell you this on the air because uh, in covering sports now, thirty seven years, uh, I've seen and maybe it's a devolution of the relationship between front office people and media. There's a lot of, as you know, in dealing with other people, a, a lot of paranoia, a lot of silence on the part of executives, and you always it, built a trusting relationship with at least me, and I know a lot of other people in our town, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't tell us exactly what was going to happen, but if we read between the lines, we had an idea of what was going on with the organization, and I always appreciated the fact that you and I, I think, had a respectful and trusting relationship, and you trusted me with information that allowed me to relay to the fans what was going on at least in a in an opaque way, if not in a concrete way, and I really appreciated right. that your relationship with with the media and the fact that you realized that we were a conduit to the fans. Well, I appreciate that, Randy. I mean, it does mean a lot to me because it, I tried to be uh, conscious of that and tried to, and you know, you were so easy, easy to and good to work with, and and uh, it was a very enjoyable. A lot of guys back there then were, and it was uh, a lot of people were, and it was. You know, I just felt it was my duty. I couldn't give you the exact answers all the time, but I could kind of lead you in the right direction. So I'd let you leave it to your imagination. And you guys usually figured it out pretty good. And it was, uh, and I think that's that's healthy. It's good for, good for obviously for you, good for the fans. It was good for me. So I enjoyed it. And in fact, I look back, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We look back at our time in St. Louis, our kids were raised there, and uh, they now live out here in Arizona with us. Or not with us, but in Arizona. And uh, it just uh, was a great time in our life and, and, uh, you know, a fun uh, time in my career. And obviously some I'm still very proud of. I still have a lot of friends back there, and I try to get back there whenever I can. 
Well, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking some time, and we hope you don't wind up on the cutting room floor and that we see you a week from Sunday. <laughs> Me too. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. See you all. Thank you. That is uh, the former Cardinal GM, Walt Jockety. Great guy. And uh, obviously, when you go to the NLCS five times in seven years, pretty good general manager, too. Imagine, I mean, you, you lived it in a in a different way than I did. I was a kid at the time. But Walt Jockety, Tony La Russa, Dave Duncan, three pieces of Cardinals history that really arch- were the architects of some great teams. And you really could make an argument for each of them based on their experiences to be in the Hall of Fame. They're, they're all certainly Hall of Fame worthy if you were going to put those people in.